and hello. Welcome to our third episode of uh, Unfiltered Podcast. I'm here with uh, Yanina Doyle. Hello, that would be me. And today we have brought Melissa Worrell. Say Hi. hello. Hi, how are you? Hi. Very, very good. She's brought us wine, so that makes us happy. Yep. We've brought some it's other bottles as well. On yeah, that, that is the rules. Um, so we will have a little sit down in a second and drink some of uh, Mel's wine. Very happy. So Mel, tell us. You work in the wine industry as well. Where, where are you? What are you doing? I do. I work in the wine industry. I work for Negotiants UK, which is an importer and distributor of Australia and New Zealand wine. And interesting, your accent sounds fam- <laughs> sounds familiar. Where's that from? So I'm from the Bronx. She's, she's also imported. Yeah. <laughs> You've personally been imported, have you? I have. I've been brought over. Um, so I'm from the Barossa Valley in South Australia. Yeah. How are you doing with our weather? Today, fine. Yeah. Actually, today it's like, it's like a mild winter for you. Like, yeah. oh, it's, it's almost all right. It's no, okay. actually, um, me and Mel met up just before this, and I said to her, "Oh, I mean, oh, I haven't got any suntan lotion on today. Actually, shall I? Should we go in the shade?" She was like, Ugh, "No, this Been is waiting no- nine months for this sunshine. This is nothing for me. This is not summer." So I was like, "Okay." So we went. No, actually, we did go in the shade in the end, didn't we? We, d- we dappled. Didn't we, we did a, We yeah. We, half we, you went you in know, the shade. She sat. No, a little bit of my. No, a little like half of our body was in the sunshine. Half was in the shade. So well, we the, the dilemmas you have in your life, how oh, do you make it through? I it's difficult. No, it, it was quite nice. It was quite refreshing, <laughs> wasn't it? Anyway, how long have you been? How long have you been here? How long have you been imported uh, into England? So I've been imported for a couple of years now, about three mm. years. So I'm on my second second stint of visas. You guys have let me hang out for another prescribed period, another two and a half years. <laughs> another, <laughs> you have another sentence, and that's I, it. And then after that, we will. Uh, once this podcast goes live if they're going to come yeah. and find you and yeah. take you away yeah. no she's legal everybody it's she okay this podcast comes out after the day anyway they won't catch her <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah, so you've been here for a while and you, so you worked for negotiations but you worked in wine didn't you before? yes sorry. so I worked at Yolamba um, at home so in the Barossa I worked for Yolamba Wine um, Company then so I was in Salador and I got to show our wines to the world when they came to visit so it was nice to then go out into the world and yeah bring our wines again for, for those who don't know Yolamba is one of the biggest well not biggest but one of the biggest quality wine producers in uh, Australia mainly based out of outside um, of Angiston yeah, so absolutely. yeah Barossa Eden Valley border yeah. um, and Australia's oldest family owned winery and oh, it's yes. beautiful also most famous for as well yes. yeah. most famous for which you will find yeah, you've a few shops in the UK as well and interestingly enough today what category what what was the subject of the wines you picked today? So I decided to pick Riesling, Riesling. Uh, and I decided to bring some Eden Valley Riesling. And they do a taste of home. Mm. Yes. And they do some great Riesling, don't they? Yes, yes, well. absolutely. Well, I was spoilt for choice with what, to, with what to bring. So actually, we'll pour now. And actually, what I'm really excited about, about tasting the Rieslings, is that, I mean, all three of us work in the industry, and we love Riesling, right? It's, it's, it's like the rule, the unwritten rule. You work in the industry, you love Riesling. It's incredible. You can get it in every different style. Um, it's so versatile. But as a general consumer, no one ever drinks Riesling because it's confusing because they don't know whether it's sweet, they don't know whether it's dry, they don't know what they're going to get. So really excited that we can actually have a little chat about Riesling. I mean, the other big problem as well was from my parents' generation, obviously, there was oh, the... Um, yeah. the uh, oh, what do you call it? The Leaf Ramosh? From Leaf Ramosh, but it was from um, the defrosting scandals. So it's where they, they thought they used uh, de-icer. That was it. Sorry, oh, de-icer. God. And actually, the only point is that, from what I understand, it actually happened in Austria, which is now why Austria has some of the tightest wine laws in the world. 
Um, but because oh, Austrian Germans are basically the same for everyone that's on, you know, all Germans, um, that it affected the whole wine industry. So you had that kind of gone on at the same time that Liebfamilch was sweet on the sweeter side, while it was very popular. The scandal happened, people were scared of it, it became unpopular, and you still to this people today, everyone goes, well, reasoning, but that's sweet. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah. And there's well, almost yeah. no reasoning now in the world is sweet, very little is sweet now in the world, and it's quite funny that that's what's put people off, and they just don't try it. The minute they do try it, also, the only point of sweet wine is people go, I don't like sweet wine. And then you give them sweet wine and they go, oh, I really like this. Well, like, yeah. this is it's another sugar. subject. People they think dry, talk, drink off dry. Yeah, yeah. They, no, they say talk talk dry, drink sweet. Mm. And that's the, I think that was the first thing I ever learned when we went on the WSCT. <laughs> I think that was I've given so many said. people wines are off dry with this and without them being, as long as they're like, well, that good reason should be like this one is, um, mm. balanced mm. with acidity. The funny point is, if you have reasons that are super dry and they're at their full acidity level, they're not really too much. It's not too much acidity, they can be too harsh. Such a fine, slightly flabbier reasoning is to do dry because otherwise it's too much acidity and it's ironic. And the really big top names in reasoning, when you have those, they can be, well, sweet in brackets, but you can't feel the sugar whatsoever. So it's uh, definitely a big contradiction of beliefs and ideas, but yeah, it's, it's, sad, it's sad the reason doesn't get more praise than it does. Well, this is lovely. This is a beautiful dry wine. Mel, tell us yeah. about what's the... What, so this is, you said from Eden Valley, which is close to the slightly more famous Barossa Valley. What's the producer? Yeah, so this is a um, this is from the Chaffee brothers, so two uh, brother-in-laws that have a really, really small um, winery in the Eden Valley. Um, and this is their triple punt um, Riesling, which is from three vineyards in the Eden, three um, family-owned vineyards. So these guys buy fruit from local farmers. Mm. Um, and the idea with the three vineyards is they all bring something different, a little bit of altitude, um, slightly different uh, soil profile, slightly different exposure um, to provide, yeah, to provide that, that bit of difference. So we've got um, some lovely acidity, as you sort of touched on with this wine. Um, this is also seeing a little bit of skin contact, so getting some texture and phenolics in there. That's right, yeah. yeah the it's a bit richer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and these are 30, uh, 30, 35 and 40 year old dry grown um, vines as well, which is okay. really, really lovely. So you're getting some lovely intensity in there, but you're also getting a little bit of difference with some, um, because they're dry grown, there's not as much leafing on there. So they're a bit more sun exposure. So I think with this one, you're getting a little bit more tropical character. Um, than just that really lean lime character in there. So no, yeah, definitely. definitely. It's, and, but I think also what's quite nice about this is you generally would say the new world is more fruit characteristic, old world is more... Uh, minerally or... This, is more, this, is, this is more minerally than it is fruity, definitely. This, is so, really this actually has, too. without going over the top, the slightly yeah. more... That, that, that petrol flavour yep. without yep. being... That's something probably that's really interesting. Riesling often does... Have a petrol flavor. What do you mm-hmm. think? You think it's a fault? Do you think no, it's no petrol? Petrol. Well, it's, it's interesting. It's only only Riesling has it naturally. Um, Semillon can show some signs of it. All of the sub Rieslings, so Welch Riesling, White Riesling, all the other kinds of Riesling, never show it. The petroleum is is, is a truly indicative and only mm. comes from Riesling in that way. But I love this because oh, I, I, I love it. But it's also so purity. But it's also it's interesting which countries show it more than others. Mm, mm. So this has got a couple of years old. We're looking at a 2015 nice. with this wine, um, and I think yeah, you are getting those hints of petrol, maybe a hint of smoke in there as well. Smoking um, is kind of a bit of a, a, if you're trying to pick a wine out blind of how you get a reasoning from Clare Valley normally, or also from getting Eden as well. Mm. Is that smokiness tends to be one of the sort of little giveaways. Mm. A new one I also discovered the other day is actually from um, Canterbury reasoning. It gets. Um, Smoky orange. Oh. And it's really specific to that. It takes me with Pegasus Bay. Oh. Um, and yeah. they were, who also do a really sexy semi on semi on blend. 
Um, but their reason, but he was talking about it, he goes, he goes, if you go and try to find some Canterbury and around that area, the only the reasons around there get this like orange, smoky orange zest note. This is New Zealand, by the way. We've yeah, yeah, so, so just, New Zealand or the Southern Island. We've, we've, we've jumped across to jumped. a whole other but country. And people, on. keep up. We've jumped countries for well, a One reason I think that sommeliers and people in the wine trade love Riesling so much, much how they love Pinot Noir, it's a very expressive grape of this terroir. Mm. Um, and what you, what the terroir gives you is what the wine will give you. No matter what the winemaker does, there's very little you can really do to Riesling at the end of the day. I you can only take what you're given and then serve it the best way possible, whether you serve it slightly sweeter because of the richness of the wine or you can't get, you only get more alcohol out of it, or you can only serve it drier because it's more lighter style. So if you serve it drier, it's a little bit more punch. Um, but it just is really expressive the terroir. Everywhere it's growing in the world, when it's growing well, it just shows massive. And even in, again, New Zealand, you've got between Marlborough, Framingham, which is super petroleum, super this. Framingham? Framingham, they do amazing That's reasoning. a brand new region but for me. The Framingham. No, Framingham producer. Oh, okay, I was going to say. I've they never do, heard they of do, that. They do, they do a reasoning in Marlborough, and there's just super petroleum. Like, you can okay. smell it from the bottle across the room. Like New Zealand, so if you look, it's got that same pungentness mm-hmm, to it. Okay. Then you go to like, Canterbury, you've got this orange zesty note, then you go up to Gisborne, up in the north. That's just New Zealand. Then when you start looking at the Mosul, where from one top of the river to the south of the river, the wines completely change. Mm-hmm. Austria, um, Willamette, uh, sorry, you go to Washington State, which is also very classic now for reasoning as well. You also get some reasons for Russian River Valley down in California. It's you just find them everywhere. Um, even Croatia, um, Romania, a few other countries of that, and they all are very different, very descriptive. They don't you don't get a reasoning from Australia that tastes like a reasoning from somewhere else very often. They are always very indicative of the terroir. Which is one of the beautiful things. They can't be made anywhere else. They can't be replicated. Yeah. They are of their... I think, yeah, the most beautiful example of sense of place, which is when I look at a wine like this, it's a cuddle from home. It's yeah. just so lovely. Oh, so even, 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 yeah, even though this one's showing a little bit more that terroir and fruity note, it's still very Australian. Mm. And it still show, really shows that even Valley style. It's that very elegant style of reasoning as well. I think it's the right person to get on there. It's a little bit heavy. Only 11.5% alcohol though, very low. So 11, they're picking quite oh, early. Okay. They're really picking nice. quite early. How much is this? Are you wait, and where, where can you get this from and is it expensive or not? Uh, well, no, I think it's an amazing price for the quality of wine and the, you know, I guess the, the, the handmade low, you know, low yields of it. Um, this one is somewhere between 15 and 16 pounds retail. Oh no, it's okay. Um, and uh, do you want to know where you can buy it? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, so, I do. <laughs> so it's on premise. She's not reading off the back of a hand, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote my notes on my hand. You're good. You're, you're the nice thing about podcasts is you're not be, you're, we're not being recorded, so we can do whatever we want. <laughs> so I'm continue just... reading from your hand. Yeah, where is it from? Thanks, everyone. Flagship wines. Um, and ah, flagship wines in St Albans. Yes, oh, and lovely. Field and Force. So you can also uh, find these guys. Chaffee Brothers also do a collection of other. Um, other Rieslings as well as um, some other interesting wines and am I allowed to mention other um, restaurants and things? Yeah, so you can mention anything you want. Wines and Bob Lobsters um, take quite a bit of Chaffee Brothers as well um, for their lists. They've got the triple punch. I think it's also Australia what's really cool like this sort of game with sort of producers which is that Australia for a long time got branded with the big branded big produce big production Black uh, cheap wine young. that's German. Oh, oh, you're talking about Australia. Australia. Sorry, yeah. I'm, a, I'm sorry, Australia. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. They're, they're similar, similar places, similar climate. Um, <laughs> like not. But I think what's really interesting, I think Australia's one of the most, one of the most exciting countries at the moment for young, forward-thinking um, winemakers. Um, I mean, Yarra Valley alone is just a 
kind of swathe of young cool winemakers even with some of the bigger money behind them mm-hmm. um, a lot of female winemakers as well which is mm-hmm. really exciting to see um, and I think you've got people like Triple Punk but you've also got people like Domain Lucci making these cool exciting different wines where they're experimenting a lot and showing I th- that I think what's really good is what we're getting now and I'm you're speaking for the Brossa but I'm sure that we're not the only ones is we're getting it's the really rough in the Brossa Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah. getting the second, yeah, um, shout out to Tom. <laughs> we're getting second generation winemakers coming through. So they've seen what their parents were doing and they're going, ah, oh, I see what you're doing, dad. And I want to do the opposite of that. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love, love what you're doing. <laughs> going to totally yeah, change gonna it. Yeah, going to do the opposite. Not I, I want my raising on skins for 12 hours. I'm going to do, you know, residual sugar. I'm going to have a player and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to foot stomp this and I'm going to sit on skins and I'm not going to use inoculated yeast. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to, you know, pick earlier or pick later or, you know, they are just experimenting th- and doing different to dad and th- mum. Yeah. I think, I think revolution wine is important. Even in Burgundy, we're seeing it now where there's been a revolution of younger winemakers coming through doing fresher, lighter, forward drinking styles mm-hmm. also financials mm-hmm. affects it those styles in Burgundy are helpful because Burgundy is selling out so quick and they want to yep. get rid of it as soon as possible to make the money um, but I think it is always refreshing to see that people while we can talk about regions being classic and styles and their terroir this is very true but also you have to see that regions do evolve and change um, I think the new world in some ways is more exciting than the old world to look at that because it's a little bit more freedom the old world the old world has been going through it though in patches for so many years. I mean, we looked at Gaia and Barbaresco back in the day, but even since then, there's been more, even more revolutionary people in Barolo, and it's constantly evolving and changing. It has such a long history. Um, you look at Australia, or you look at New Zealand, or you look at America. The history is so Much small compared, and it's almost like they're catching up in many ways. But also, they're a little bit more quicker to catch on to the new things. I mean, the Australians came over and taught the South, South French and. I'm going to see on how to make wine properly. That's how they've improved a lot of that. How to keep the wineries clean. Yeah, keep the wineries clean as well. That helps. Burgundy could have done that back in the 90s before the uh, pre-ox as well, but we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> um, but um, it, I think it's interesting to see that also the difference, I think internet has made a huge difference. You know, you can be a little winemaker in Australia and you, you can see that platform. all of the different techniques everyone is using around and you can mm. talk to people and you can see what people are doing. And I think it's great. It's the wine world is so welcoming in travel. Like so many people, like there is Australians working in Bordeaux, there are people in Bordeaux working over here. It's so interesting when someone's gone, I've seen, met some winemakers and they've gone and worked to say California, Bordeaux and Australia. Then they go back home to, okay, to New Zealand for this example, I'm looking at countries in my head. And then mm-hmm. you can, there'll definitely always be a style that person prefers. Yeah. So there always becomes a case of the personal, which is that even though they've seen the best way in these, these, and they really all three ways a good way to make wine, mm. they'll be whatever sings to them. So they may, yeah, they may still love the romanticism of Bordeaux, they may still love this or certain styles. And it's interesting that that does make big effect as well. Family philosophy is really Absolutely. important. I mean, a lot of the, I think um, the reason winemakers off the top of my head and to move from the Eden Valley to the Clare Valley, I know that um, Jim Barry wines that are really highly regarded for their Rieslings. You I know, know Olivia they, Barry, actually. Uh, um, oh, there you are, Olivia. She, oh, yeah. do you live in Olivia Barry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, no, I don't live, I know. I know oh, okay. Yeah. Of course you were for Goshen, of course you Yes, of course I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. Being stupid, of course you um, you know, but you know, um so so Tom did quite a bit of travel and the one of their previous winemakers Luke did quite a bit of travel through the different um, vineyards in Germany, sort of learning and honing his craft before he sort of came back home. And I think what I love about the wine industry is how collaborative, like, you know, how collaborative and open and accessible everyone is. They all want everyone to be making good wine. 
to boost up the whole industry it's, and I just think that's I think, fantastic yeah, actually a very good really good family to look at I mean you can say in many ways Jim Barry is we could kind of call he's a big big guy in the industry not mm. just in Australia he's well regarded over the world for mm-hmm. making both top quality wine and the also, lower end as well yeah. he, also makes, he, makes, he makes good value wine as well you know he's a big wine producer but I mean like, he was his passion project so I served as a Certico yes yeah like, Certico I've like, never tasted I mean, it it's so oh, good no. uh, I haven't really left I'm going to should have bought another bottle yes yeah. <laughs> new uh, Greek, Greek grape variety still in the new world that would have been a tough selection um, <laughs> no but when, you, when, you, when you listen to this that passion behind it which is he went to Greece he went to Santorini he tried the wine he loved it he's like I want to do this in Australia mm-hmm. and I, I spoke about it, all the effort they went through to do it that's not a money making project that is a Laid pure love. passion yeah and it's but it's also that for him he knows but of what he's now done other people will now be able to do this in Australia mm-hmm. so he's happy to help people do that I as think, well um, it's very important to see that he I think if you're big in any industry, you have to respect who you are, but yes. also to then want to help other people get there Absolutely. is really important. Um, I think I can see similarities with uh, Yolumba and bringing Viognier into yeah. the country 30 odd years mm-hmm. ago is what um, Peter did with bringing a certificate into a lot, the country. And there's a lot of Viognier around Australia. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, I think there's some crazy, the, the clones that Yolumba brought in is responsible for something like 90% of the Viognier in Australia, which again is fantastic. It was a varietal that wasn't really known, wasn't really understood, but you know, amazing food wine, amazing wine of, of richness and elegance and opulence too. So we're, um, sorry, we got, yeah, you I know, know we're all you, looking you, at the you, wine you, now. <laughs> you, your, that story was very interesting, but as uh, you may have noticed, we started sipping um, some Riesling that I brought along. Uh, the wine does get very distracting. Um, annoyingly, I was in my head thinking it might be a bit dry. And it's totally not. And it's not. It's not. I'm um, just looking at the percent. Oh, if I'd looked at the percentage, and actually, this will be a very. This is this is something that I think is worth explaining to people to give people uh, a better idea on how to deal with old world riesling like Germany um, and know whether it's going to be sweet or not because that's the gamble. And I think Maybe. that's yeah. Um, what you need to, first of all, when in general, this is a seven point five percent alcohol wine. So very silly. I don't know why in my head I was a shoot. I, I I thought I picked up one of the dry reasons, but you know, every most white wines tend to be around eleven, twelve, thirteen percent alcohol. A nice kind of rule that will work most of the time <laughs> is if the wine is around seven or eight percent. It's going to be a slightly sweeter wine. Nine percent, you know, it's going to be just off dry. Or really badly made. Or but yeah, okay. This is why this is a slight rule. We know what. Wait, okay, let me introduce this wine a little bit, um, and we can talk a little bit about more about the sweetness, so people can actually feel more confident to buy Riesling. Uh, this wine is um, Willie uh, Schaefer uh, wine. This is a two thousand and thirteen. No, uh, you, oh, you're half German. Would yeah. you like to pronounce Willi Schäfer? Willi Schäfer. It's accents. I'm gonna get all the hate mail now. Yeah. <laughs> um, although, can you pronounce? This is the problem. Um, a lot of people are scared with labels because they name English. they name the, um, the the region and then they name either the village or they name the actual name of the the, the vineyard depending on the quality. So, so this, this is, is uh, Grüche Heimlich. Heimlich. Yeah. Grüche Heimlich Riesling Cabernet from the Mosel Platzkartoffeln. Uh, He's showing off now. Anyway, so that's it. That's it with the label. That's such. At the end of the day, when you see that label, that is so confusing. One thing it does say on the label, it says um, "Grosse Lager." Um, This basically. uh, Ah, that's why I got very confused. 
Okay, I've just realised yeah. out loud. I'm waiting to hear this. This, 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 no, this is going well. Because basically, Grosh Gavach. Oh God, should we splur that? We should write that down when we do which, the podcast. Which, which region do you find Grosh Gavach in? Oh, is it not in all region? I thought. Is it only in only in Mosul? It's only in Ranga. Yeah. Oh my god, I know nothing then. Sorry, yeah, so what you were thinking of, so Groschlager is meaning about a state. It's about, this, it's about it's saying it's a top, a top vineyard, vineyard site. Yeah. So like from Groschlager, like uh, Premier Cru. Yeah. Um, Vats, which is what you're talking about, is from the Rheingau. And this and is a collection of vineyards that come together and that's only about dry, dry wines coming from greater states. And that's why I read it really quickly. And in my, yeah. But you'd have, you'd have a little symbol, the GG on it. Yeah, but I picked this up quickly in this so morning. The I was out in the sunshine. Anyway, so that's why I'm thinking, and already this is just an exact reason why often German reason can be so confusing, because it's just German words that absolutely mean nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so first of all, GG, Grosskowicz, obviously suggests you're definitely going to get a dry wine. That makes things... Oh, <laughs> that you're drinking more? Really that's, quickly. It is because people talk dry and drink sweeter. Oh, this is so a little... Good. This is a little bit more. This then off dry. Seven and a half percent alcohol. It's like yes. having a cider, really. It is. That's like a weak beer. <laughs> That's why he's getting through so much of it. It's weak than Duvel. Come on. <laughs> so the Predicats vine, it does say it. Predicats vine is a quality level. So for anybody who's interesting, uh, interested um, in reasoning wine, um, certainly from Germany, Predicats vine is going to let you know that this is a slightly higher quality wine where they have to make sure the sugar levels are, are richer and it's a better quality. Is that correct? You're going to correct again. Okay, so Predicat wine, you find it both in Germany and in Austria. There are some slight differences between the two. Um, in Ger- We're just going to let him do it. Yeah. He's, he's on a reason for It's not actually, this is the interesting part. The, the, the names don't actually mean the sweetness of the wine. Uh, it's all to do with grape must. So this is after the grapes have been picked, how ripe they are, and potential... Sugar potential sugar levels. Potential sugar yeah. level or alcohol. Yeah. So it's the grape must wait. So they do an ostrich, which is, uh, I'm not going to get into the description of how that all works, but it's all to do with the potential for either alcohol or for a lot of Groschkevats wines, which actually would be, a lot of them are normally um, a higher level, you know, higher mm. than Cabernet, because they have to have enough um, great must to be able to get that level of like 12%, 12.5, 13% sometimes alcohol, which a lot of them have, even some are higher now. Um, so what happens is that, yeah, what, one thing you should look out a lot of time for German, I mean, if you're going for something like the Rheingau, it's probably going to be dry or felt dry as well in general, the regionality, Mosul and other regions, what oh, you want to look out is, always so you want to look out for is the word trocken, trocken in German means dry, half trocken, half dry, it's a semi, just off dry. Also, uh, fine, how do you pronounce it, fine Come back to that one. Check out. I'm going to um, check it out because. I but what happens is that means off dry. Yeah. So the Predator cap basically is a system of making sure the grape must is up to a certain standard. So they judge the grapes instead of not just the region based on the quality. So what it's saying is if you're the levels you have is Cabernet, um, Cabernet, um, Spätlese, Auschlese, Bernauschlese, Trockenbernauschlese, and Eisfein. Eisfein is actually the same as um, Bernauschlese in terms of must wait but then it's allowed f- to naturally freeze in the vine I love ice vine uh, naturally to freeze in the vine which concentrates the berries and makes a very pure clear juice but it's actually not as rare as Trockenbad Auslaser which is only very very certain vintages um, the whole point though is you can get a Spätlaser or you can even get a Bernauschlaser that can still be fermented to dry so if it's a Bernauschlaser Trocken it is that level of grape must, but then it's fermented to dry. Are you 100% sure? 100% sure. Okay, I'm pretty it. sure it went, it goes, obviously in terms of sugar levels. It's, it's, no, it's, must, it's not sugar, it's must no, it's must weight. Yes, we're being specific, but I'm saying... You get dry cabinets. You get dry cabinets. Of course you do. Cabinet, 
Um, um, house, yeah, up to okay. house laser. So when you have uh, a sun grad, sorry, this quite clearly. So if you're, in the, if, you, if you're in the vacal, then you have a sun grad. Um, one for the vacal, which yeah, is the top quality. They, yes, because they've got the three levels. Yeah, yeah but what the top quality sun grad? Okay, yes. will always be dry reasoning. Yeah, it's the same must weight minimum as spit laser. I mean, you're confusing people now by going all the way to Austria. Well, this unfortunately it's confusing. This way it's confusing. <laughs> the whole point is that if you're working for German, you want safety. If it says trocken, you know it's definitely dry no matter where. If it says fine herb, so this is what I was saying. Fine or hard trocken, hard trocken. That trocken. means off dry. Yeah. So that means you're also safe as well. As, it depends. Okay, your safe words are gross gavage, GG. <laughs> it's going to definitely be dry. Safe words. Move on. That has just given us your your trip. Oh, fantastic. I like that idea Cacao you, is another safe word. I love the idea you've just gone, you've just gone, literally, like, you've gone with, our title for our podcast, this one literally will be Weaseling, German reasons and safe words. Safe words. <laughs> <laughs> we might get more hits, to be honest. Everyone, everyone needs a safe word occasionally. Everyone needs a safe and, word. And sometimes with wine it goes wrong, right? You but know, why, so why would you it's a, it's a slippery slope. Why do people, don't be scared to try the Cabernet, the spate lasers, especially Cabernet and spate lasers, most spate lasers actually generally, when their final um, sugar level comes out, are about the same as cabinets. They're normally a step up in price quality because their alcohol is going to be higher, they'll be more complex, they are better quality and are rarer grapes. Um, so I really would, of all the ones I'd stress for you to try, please try some spate lasers. I think most of you would be really surprised because also the cabinet we're drinking now, unless you really have a discerned palate, most people wouldn't call this off dry. No, no, I think, um, this is, I think it's officially could could fit into off-dry, no, no, it, no, no. it, 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 but it seems, for, I think most people, towards the medium side, medium I think, I think most yeah. people, no, I think most normal people would find this is dry, because yeah. of the acidity. No. I think it's the acidity you would. No, I don't. Mel's well, shaking her head too. I think this has... I'm saying, if you're, a discerning, if you're a discerning wine drinker, I think you'd find this cabinet, you could tell there's sugar in it. There's but most, sugar but most people, lot, yeah. I find, when they talk about sweetness, are talking about fruit content. Uh, I've had a common misconception of a lot of mm-hmm. times. People go to me, "Oh, I don't like really sweet wines like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc." You're like, You're right. "That's <laughs> the driest wine on earth." It's just but pronounced is, intensity. But what they what they find is the intense fruit. Mm-hmm. So they can they constrict ripe fruit with sweetness. sweetness. This mm-hmm. doesn't have ripe fruit. Which, this is green apple, and it has yeah. acidity coming out of the wazoo. So when you've got acidity, green apple, people go, "Oh, this is dry." Fruity. Mm-hmm. Fruity and dry. And, uh, fruity and sweet are not the same thing. Yeah. I literally, with all my education, have always, and I'm just going to come back to a point because I'm very upset about this, been told you have your, th- in the Predicats phone system, you have your cabinet, which is what we're drinking, your Spats laser. And, uh, I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, he's know. starting to annoy me. Oh, but you said my name right. That's, That's what I'm dancing And else laser. And they are the three categories of which they obviously get ripe often, but can still be dry. And as soon as you hit Berenice laser, it will. Oh, okay. Yes. That was me, that was giving me that was giving me an example. Give me an example. I don't think I you think, can get a Berenice laser would, dry. Oh no, sorry. Okay. On that you one. said you couldn't. I am absolutely. I was just using. I was using a random one from the Prentice Cat as an example. I, I very much doubt you can find a dry burnout laser. I think it's not possible because as you go up this these levels, the you know they, they really? get more sugar must, as you say. I say sweetness because I'm trying to be not technical, just to make it easier to understand. 
and Veronelle says it has too much sweetness, or as you say, sugar bust. Great and bust. they're great oh, great bust. <laughs> oh, sugar then. <laughs> oh God, we're gonna start stabbing each other. Let's drink more wine. And um, but yeah, Veronelle says. I just think I want to make it really oh, sorry, clear sorry, for yeah, anyone sorry. listening. My I want to make it really clear that if somebody is is buying a wine and on the label it says Predicat's wine, they know it's of a really good quality, so they should go for it. Mm. They know that cabinet. Then Spade Slazer, Spood Slazer, and Aus Laser are the three categories that can be dry. Yes. Ignore everything else. And if you have got one of those three things, mm. look on the label for the percentage of alcohol. And if that alcohol level is pretty low, it's going to be quite sweet. And if you get to probably about 11% or higher, it's, it's probably dry. dry right? Um, that is, you really I think, just to make it if you're really clear. a dry, aromatic... Or just go to Australia. Go to Australia. In fact, question. And look at the Valley. Yeah, I've never, ever, ever had a sweet wine from there. There must be somebody doing it. Plan B, semi sweet or rather. Okay. You have Plan B. But but really, 90%. You get sweet and off dry, you really get sweet, sweet, and occasionally you'll get a dessert wine. If they're sweet, they will let you know they're sweet. So whether they do a scale on the back or something in the name or something, they really want to make sure. So our styles that we're known for are dry Rieslings in the Eden Valley and the Clare Valley. If the reasoning that this particular producer would be making is not dry, yeah. they will let you know clearly that this is not a typical style. Because yeah, okay. they, you know, we, we work, I guess we've worked really hard to make sure that this is the style, this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. Um, yeah. So they can be scaled. Like, what we're saying is, like if in doubt, go Aussie. Just to bring, so anyway, hopefully that, I don't know, I, I thought that this would be like, we'd make it really clear. No, and I think, it's what, not clear. I think what's it's hilarious is considering we're all in the industry and we're like, huh, hmm. So the clear um, option is, just Chappie Brothers triple punch. There you go, bring it back into your line. Basically, it's a terrible system. Um, yes, it, no, it really is, and that is why, actually. But it makes sense. If so you well. understand it, it makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't make sense. If you understand it and you're fluent in German. But guys, if, 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 if wine made sense, I would be out of a job. This is so, so let's true. keep it complicated. <laughs> but you know, what keeps me employed. Oh, well, anyway, what I will say um, about just a little bit about this wine um, Mosul is the region that has probably, again, nothing is set in stone, but generally the sweeter wines. Um, Mosul has very, very steep slopes. Um, it gets a lot of kind of sunshine, so they ripen, but they're often very mineral um, and very fresh. And this wine, this wine you can get from Berry Bros um, for about £23. Um, so again, you're paying a lot more money for this. Um, it's great quality. Um, it's great quality, but at the same time, you're paying for the fact I think that it's German. Oh, having a little bit more. Just not bad. Um, just the, the, just to let you know a little bit for anyone who would be interested in in, in getting this. This comes from um, Willie Schaefer is the dad and his son. They're a, it's a family team. Uh, they have about four hectares. It's one of the most well-regarded winemakers. In- Germany and Mosul as well. What you very well. Well, obviously, uh, Jonathan here would like to mention well that too. Uh, so yeah, they're really good. It helps that they're an awesome producer. That's why you're also, um, you know, you pay the premium. They only have four hectares, so very very small amount of land. They're very much into doing everything naturally. They even ferment the wine in wood. They think it integrates more uh, the fruit with the fruit flavors and yep. softens. Um, and everything's done. You know, in a gravity in a way. In a fooder? No, I think isn't it a fudre? 
Yeah, look at look at Jonathan all you know really posh with his German pronunciation, but he can't pronounce an Italian German, word. German, can German, he? Do you know how elite is there on a fooder? Uh, what, what, what? It's a German word actually. It's, it's the Germans who use them. Uh, well, uh, and it's uh, and it's how do you know how Yeah, but in fooder is Italian. No, no? Not in just food. Oh, do you know what? Oh, I'm too exhausted. I think we ought to. We, I, we can't argue. So anymore. you're catching me like the week after my exam, so like my study mind is still there. Actually, I've to, be, my numbers, to so. be fair, I'm just busy drinking wine these days, and my studies are long behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. There's, there's an age joke in there somewhere. I'm going to leave it. Oh yeah, leave the age joke. Wait till we've gone to third bottle. Anyway, this is this is delicious. Um, between the two, if you want something really kind of but rich, but really refreshing and dry and tropical and intense, go for this the the Australian um, reasoning. But whereas this, you know, it's it's sweeter. It's rounder. You want something, maybe some spicy food to go with this. So I was going to say, I feel like we should talk about food. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, as no, well. no, it's really good. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Australians it, are good on this, actually, with their Yeah, with the, well, I, yeah, basically, I think um, oysters, I think, and Riesling are always oh, oyster. a really great. Which, which kind of oysters? Oh, Co- specific uh, oysters. Co- coffin Bay oysters. <gasps> I had coffin Bay, yes. I, <laughs> is what I'd be going mm, with. Good choice. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I know people don't realise this, but actually there is a real big, even between English and French oysters, there's a huge change. Chili mm. does black oysters, these I've black oysters, with a bla- well, basically with like a black edge. I don't know what they're, whether they're called black oysters. It's probably pollution. <laughs> well, they're funny, they're really, they're actually really tangy. Sultans? They're much, instead of them being like salty like the sea, they're much more tangy um, well, okay, and so creamy. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you, creaminess is one of the like, fattiness on them. Um, mm. So you find a big, so like English oysters you can pair with a porter. So you can pair a porter with English oysters. Okay, okay. You can't do it with a French oyster because of the difference in sweetness level. Mm. Actually, when I was out in Canada, because goddamn Canada has just so much sea and animals to kill and things to eat, it's so amazing. Um, <laughs> Well, I was at a wine thing there, I was in British Columbia, I was yeah. visiting through a wine thing there, and we had a choice of oysters, and we had three different oysters to choose from, Wow! and they were all distinctively massively different, from very tight, very super mineral, almost like, mm. almost like sucking on a rock, but in a pleasant way, like from a very tasty bit of like flinty rock, mm. um, and with almost no fat on it, so like mm-hmm. the big boy had like, it was like the Otoro version or the Wagyu version of oyster. Yeah. And it was like, you, you chewed the damn thing. You had, you had to chew it. And I, I, I chewed my oyster and just swallowed them because of waste. Um, I, I chewed it. You chew it. It's like, it's a meaty oyster. Like, can I get a red? Yeah. <laughs> like, can I, is there a Melbeck I can have? So I'm, I'm already imagining like a really young, fresh Riesling compared to something with that little bit of smoke and toast and yeah. honey character going to an aged Riesling then with probably the, the, the meat well, it'd be interesting when one of things to do yeah. what you can do with the difference in the Riesling starts I think also mm. how, how flexible Riesling is when it comes to food pairing and it's I fantastic. think a huge area of food that Riesling works super well with is Asian, Asian food yeah, yeah. Um, like from Indian to Chinese yeah. because the sweetness level actually a bit of sweetness works really well with both of those um, to mm. deal with the spice mm. obviously I have things like Converts Torontes they also all work well but I think there are they're not as flexible. I think if you're in an Indian restaurant or if you're in um, a Chinese restaurant and you're going for a mix of dishes, go Riesling. Riesling. Yeah. And even if you end up yeah. going dry Riesling, it'll probably work. If you go sweet Riesling, it'll work in a different way. Or the acidity. Way. I think, the yeah, the acidity and the aromatics. And the fact they take, you know, spice and chili and heat it just, so well. it's, Yeah, it's amazing how well, it's amazing how well they take it. Mm. And I think if you're going for hot food, then definitely a sweeter Riesling. It'll just handle it much better. So go for a Cabernet, a laser, um, and it will probably handle it a lot better. But the wine, it's amazing, the people, you taste wine, you the wine's really delicate and light, then you eat the food. The wine's still fine and delicate exactly. and light, like the longevity's still there. They almost are unaffected. Mm. Mm. Where if you have a Chardonnay, 
every burger. It really does. You have the best burger good. in the goddamn world, and Indian food will destroy it. Um, <laughs> and I've been, I've tried it. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a burger, I'm a well, Chardonnay fanatic, and I was still. But I've seen also Riesling as well. But I think there are there are two different grapes and different very different ways. If I can go back to Australia, particularly, go go over. We have um, an amazing amount of Vietnamese um, Australians and the food that they bring and the the food that they is absolutely beautiful. So fresh herbs and that sort of thing as well. And the mm. reason seems to pair with Vietnamese food. Amazing. Have you been to Wanda? To Wanda, no, I haven't. I thought don't. you were going to bring what? up fermentation no. in Tanandra. I'm like, don't you No, no, there. she's she's, she's um, Wanda. Wanda's she's a female um, Australian chef up in Stoke Newington. Uh, mm. We opened the restaurant last year. I just okay. went there in the soft. I have not been back. We need to go back. Um, really, really good. I've been doing since very hip now, but again, it's a, it's a really good example of Australian influenced cooking where you have sort of European dishes, yes, but then with the med well, not Mediterranean, so more tropical and more Asian influence. So like yeah. carpaccio, but with watermelon stuff like this. Mm, yes, and again, yeah. these are these are again dishes and food where what do you pair with these? You can't really go with the classic pairing because things change. Things like reasoning, things like diverse kingfish ceviche. I think the reason. Like Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah be nice. but again, it's another whole host of areas. Obviously, Australian food is a bit more. It's it's very multi. Where in I think we, you, in we England, take, like religion, we take the best aspects of a number of things, mix them all together, and make them our own. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say religion in front of Jonathan. <laughs> we can't. We haven't got to rank corner yet. Wait to stop. Australia's not perfect. You have a few issues. I can start with them, but we'll leave that alone. Um, but I think that it's, it's interesting. I think Australia, much like the UK, in different ways, the UK absorbed a lot of the culture, and you know we're 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 a country full of immigration for all the right reasons, and we've absorbed a lot of um, culture and food from those other countries where we lost a lot of ours in the Industrial Revolution, um, and we've been very good at doing that, and absorbing them into our, English cooking was always very closely linked with French. I'm going to have argument about how French cooking is not all French, some of it's English. We we'll get into whole argument another day, but we've also absorbed Italian. We've absorbed um, Indian especially we've been very lucky in, I've got stuff coming from Portugal and they see an onion bhaji they don't know what it is and you realise an English person you grow up like I want onion bhaji you know what food from so many different cultures is try to please turn your phone on we're already recording I know I'm trying to find something for oh, you <laughs> um, and I think we're very lucky with that and I think also Australia you, you see the same in that cuisine there where it says again Australia was an English food at the time of the industrial revolution yes, it went yeah. over there you didn't really have a style of cooking and had to adapt, and then you had immigration come in from many parts of Asia, yeah. different to what we have. Greek and Italian say. immigration as well, which has been so amazing. I think Italian is really influential oh, um, on your cooking, and uh, it has been very influential in the UK, but later on, where I think yours was earlier, mm. um, and you see a lot of that again at adaption, which I don't think that ironically, certainly the US, despite all its immigration, has never quite adapted the same. It's been more segregated. And I think the UK and Australia down south they seem to get a little bit more of that sort of South American fusion up, but it does sort of yeah. But it's areas, isn't it? It's very much yeah. area very restricted. Where I think because I think Australia and UK are much smaller countries in population, you can't really do that. It will leak much quicker. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think they are exciting places for food and combinations. There's a vibrancy, isn't there? And also, we don't give a shit about you. We'll take it out and shove it up your ass. We'll just we'll make it up as we go along. <laughs> even even in England, Stilton is an AOP, but then obviously someone wants to make Stilton, but with a different cheese and unpasteurised, people can't do that. Okay. Because not we'll, by the rules. We'll call it Stitch Hilton. That's fine, they'll break some rules. <laughs> and we got away with it. So, I buy, I think that food cooking, a tradition is fantastic, and I really respect it. At the same time, it can only evolve and change and improve. 
with ingenuity and adaptation. And I think with wine as well, and also seeing where those wines evolve. Yeah, and Actually, you're getting that generation development with the winemakers, you're getting that gener- generation development. Exactly, and everything is changing and evolving. Mm. And it's, it's exciting to see that more, and more and more chefs respecting wine. Unfortunately, not paying sommeliers enough, but they're respecting wine. Still, um, shout out to paying sommeliers more. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, honestly, just disgusting. Um, <laughs> But you know, I think it is it is definitely improving a lot, and their respect for it. Unfortunately, my knowledge. Good uh, <laughs> give chef shit. Hope she has a good chance again. Move um, on, move on. Uh, <laughs> but I think it is it is it's great to see that evolving, uh, that evolving and cha- taking shape and improving. And I think that wine and food has to be closely linked. Mm, it makes it, sense. Wine is an agricultural product, um, and hopefully, more wine gets more natural, biodynamic, and these more sustainably produced as animal food does. Um, we become more focused towards that, especially as the population of the world is growing and changing. And mm. I think we mm. also I don't. But well, the same traditions are also important. We don't need to lose those with the next generation. You know, you still got respect food. It has to become a family thing. Uh, move away from eating in front of the TV. Take time, have your wine, put your phone away. Well, I'm going to think that that goes with the wine as well, isn't it? It's that time, that almost that mindfulness, that meditation, if you like, to sit down with a meal with the family have the wine there and I think it's, as soon as you put a wine glass with that meal it becomes something a bit more special than it's, just it's amazing so it's going to lead into what I'm going to talk about later in Rat Corner <laughs> um, but my, my my reasons why I positively like alcohol um, I think that however you look at it I think it is a social necessity mm-hmm. um, and I think that when you have a table there with your friends and my family we whenever we meet as a family we always have lunch it was a long lunch it's all the day pretty much mm. um, there is and I didn't realise up until this year that we've never had water glasses on the table um, <laughs> champagne and wine always and it's like oh Christ we might have a problem and it's like but I've always realised that my family we always end up getting on because and like we even do with this podcast it loosens people up it relaxes it's a social there lubricant is, there is exactly it's social lubricant and I think there is a balance between it but I'll get on to that later anyway. that's true what I'm going to say I'm just going to pour the, your wine Jonathan but I was just thinking you were talking and I thought this might be interesting to talk about um, considering well, you're from Australia and we're talking about the advances in I guess whether you know wines and things changes um, what I saw recently which I think we were talking about 19 Crimes yes the winery 19 Crimes um, have released a wine The Banished um, with a very very cool label um, where if you download an app um, from you know either from Apple Store or Google yeah. oh, moving glasses tidying up um, you can literally sh- put your phone to the label and the lo- label becomes alive and the people on the label start talking to you and telling them that their story. Have you seen this? I, I have seen it. Have yes, you seen I it, Jonathan? I have not because you two hid it away from me earlier. She says, you know, for well I haven't and you were asking me. As if it's, this is this Janine's yeah, Jenny, you know, production value of, ooh, have you seen this thing we discussed? Why, I have that we seen didn't this. Show you? No, I haven't. Excuse me, you tend to pretend that you know everything, I assume, no, no, just because no, you know weren't playing with <laughs> it's us. It's a big difference. Um, but it's, I think it's very, um, very cool. It's something I'm, that's really, it's, it, it doesn't change the quality of the wine. It's the wine itself, you know, okay. it doesn't make it any better. But I think it brings it to a different market. I think this is something that's, that's actually really interesting. Okay, I'll put you to a different way. Oh, God, here we go. No, no, no. no just give me an example. This is about perception and context. And whether, oh, sorry. Oh, my God, I'm terrible. No, I feel like no, a no. horrible human being. I haven't given you one. Um, okay so let's take a let's take a brand that we all know and anyone who works in the industry knows is bullshit whether what they want to say it or not and how many deals do you have LVMH they don't lie um, Dom Perignon Dom Perignon claims to be a prestige cuvee claims to be the top of the top 
Yeah, produces over 2.5 million bottles per year. Produces nearly every single vintage in the last 10 years. I said they've still got some more hidden away. Um, it's more production than most other Grand Marc champagnes, just on Perry on its own, where other people have a prestige cuvee on top of that, which is a tiny part of the production. But it is what you call a perfect idea of a branding exercise. So I'm going to annoy you, but also, um, same if you look at it, Apple. We know that Apple phones and Apple laptops are made in the same factories, the same produce, the same equipment, with the same software, which is Linux, which is free, by the way, um, as all the other computers out there, yet we pay far more percentage on top of them because of branding, because we believe in the brand. Um, even though we actually have, because by the internet, we have full knowledge that this isn't true. While I like the idea of involving more tech in wine... You feel like people will buy it because it's exciting and not because of the quality of the wine. And I think that's the wrong way with wine. No, you know what, you're... you're Same you're, with meat. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be buying the meat because that meat has the funny advert. We should be buying meat because it's the best meat. You're we're buying right. veg because it's the best veg. Right. And buying wine because it's the best wine. But it's... And you're... That, that also, we should. But at the same time, that's not good. In, in an ideal world, people will actually know enough, research enough, figure it out. But we've just explained. Just... We're all in the industry. Yes, we all know different amounts of reasoning. You've just done your advanced sommelier exams. You know the most. We all know that. No, 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 and, uh, okay, I agree. As a salesman, I agree with you to a point. But I think you have to find balance between ethics and sales. Yeah. Um, and who's about to start making a gin soon. Uh, oh, there you go. Shout out to himself. I'm already, I'm already making a gin. I'm already in the process of doing it. Doesn't smell like um, violets, does it? Mm, no. Good. Lavender. Um, and juniper? No, no, definitely juniper. Have to juniper. It's not a gin. Oh, exactly. It's not a gin. <laughs> um, I think that you have to strike a balance. Okay, craft beer world is another world where I was really supportive of the craft beer industry, but I was also really supportive of the real ale industry, which is now kind of taking a dip because of craft beer. Um, the sad part about craft beer, and I love Brewdog, but unfortunately most of it's made by Brewdog hmm. on recipes for other people. It is a manufacturer, a brand. I'm about to go see a brewery soon who don't do that, who do make it with their brewery art, and I'll call them different like that. I'm very supportive of that when we're working with them. But I think that unfortunately... It needs to be more vocalised how much bullshit there is in the industry. It might need to be vocalised, but come on, when you think that's there is people do not have no, the time I understand that, to educate themselves. No, that, that's, that's on, a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. They completely have a lie because you have Google and the oh, fucking internet. Rancor has started already. I got bullshit that because I've done it on so many topics. I'm not an expert. I haven't been educating half the things I know, but I have the ability to go on the internet because you're interested enough, and the average consumer. Does not we're drinking wine. Well, then, wine. yeah, but then that's what you should profit. Be interested in what you put in your goddamn body. But wine, at the end of the day, is about appreciation. And if you feel that you want to know more about wine, absolutely. No, 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 no. That's the lower end. That's what we're doing with our podcast. We want to encourage people to learn more about wine. We do want because to. Because I generally feel so, to a point of my core, which is you should really understand what you put in your body, whether it be a medication, whether it be alcohol, whether it be water, whether it be this. I mean, well, the crazy ones, again, example this would be in the UK. There are stricter laws on, um, stricter laws on tap water for cleanliness than bottled water. So when you're in the UK, when you drink tap water, you're more likely to have clean water than any bottled water you have. 
Also, there's no laws on storage of bottled water, where it's stored, if it hits sunlight, you get screwed, if it's plastic. These are things where, if you don't know this, and at one point people are like, oh, but we just assume it's okay. Well, the whole point is there's no one out there looking for you. The government, we always blame the government, government don't care. No, the government only look at so many things. And if you're not pushing them to do anything, which is what your MEPs, there, MEPs are there for, they're not doing anything. So if you don't take a proactive view of yourself, a proactive view of what's happening to the earth, the environment, your local area, anything, nothing will ever change. If you go, oh, well, someone will sort it. No, it won't. Let's say you look at home, your, your house, if you have a family. If you don't pick up the toys off the floor your kids left there, probably you're going to get picked up, are they? And the no, same as If you don't pick up the toys, are the kids going to do it? Well. No. Threats. You wish. <laughs> you have to take action. You have to put a law in place. You have to do something. But if there's no drive to do that, then nothing changes. So to say that people should just go, oh, but we're not that interested. Well, you should be because you're drinking it. You should be your consuming. You should be your paying money for it. Money which is time of your life. Have you money? Have a rich one. Do you want. not think though, like you know, to to go back to having you know, like a gimmick and having this, you know, it's a it's a starting level, a it's stepping stone in a way. So people it's not are, new though. People it's not new. Are, you know, it's been gimmicks. Are, gimmicks are two hundred, three hundred years old. Not yeah, but they're gimmicks, but not technology like. Okay, but this, what is that technology doing to improve the wine and drink it, or to improve my experience? I go the label for two seconds. How many times are you going to show two more friends that you're done? But but it's if you buy term. that wine as opposed to is buying that, the beer, well then we've started know, getting people exactly, into the wine. And if the wine ends up being not that great in a bottle, you never buy it again. You're like, oh, that's terrible. We beer. would we would potentially think that. But if people haven't even buy, started drinking wine, it can be a step. If you buy Cynic Bang because I, of the, you buy Cynic Bang because of the anther, okay, you buy Cynic Bang, and it doesn't clean the thing you want it to clean. You don't buy it again. So these adverts and these companies can be as detrimental as but they I've can be beneficial. I've been using bicarbonate lemon up until then, but it is easier than that, <laughs> even if it's not. So therefore, I'm going to buy Bang. another spray and of white kind of clean. Sorry. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like you know, we, we perhaps wouldn't, you know, get a lot out of that wine. Like I can tell you now, it's probably got super ripe fruit. And probably the, the no, but you know, no, probably all of these, well All of these, like the blue wine bullshit shit that was made which is we are proud to say that we use producers from all around Europe and we blend it together it's all about creating a stable product not actually showing anything about it's the opposite opposite. well yeah because it's consistency it's the opposite of wine Um, it, it is the literal opposite of what what we're tasting now opposite we're tasting now we're tasting terroir regional difference vintage Vintage. difference climate difference it's the opposite of a of agricultural product, it's a manufactured product. And I think the minute the wine goes to being a manufactured product, it has a problem. And we look at all the cheap wine in the supermarkets, they are manufactured. This Pinot Grigio, which is the same every year, year on year, year on year. What's well, because it doesn't taste of anything? Right, <laughs> that helps. How yeah, to taste flavour. Have water, but actually, pay, I was like, pay do, uh, do you have a Pinot Grigio? No, sorry, my wine has flavour. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, but I think that. No, I, I really strongly believe you can't change that. And it's like saying to food. Same if you said to food, we should make all food taste the same, be the same, the same all the time, just a paste. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. That's not being human. That's not having emotions and feeling are different. Just like you, God, you. You're the biggest human. The most so emotions. emotions. The most the Maybe most anger, human. irritation, hatred, but yeah. That's fine. That's fine. But there's strong emotions, and that's what's important. But, uh, you know, I guess to, to use that into in terms of a food example, it's, it's not quite the same parallel, but, you know, the supermarket is a, you know, a generally homogenised food experience. Shouldn't be. But when you start 
okay, look, I've had these strawberries and they were okay, but then, you know, wow, I've found a, a farmer's market or I can go and pick my own. Do you know, even the supermarkets, then, my godfather, bless him, um, he's like the king lord of prices at supermarkets. He'll tell you the cucumber prices at every supermarket. He, <laughs> he goes through them all. And ironically, even the supermarkets, at the end of the day, produce is still produce. It is still a range from veggies and fruit and meat. There are differences between all of them and where they source it from. And I can tell you, as someone who's been living here for shopping and what he buys for family, we do our family lunches, it makes a huge difference. And he shops at all of them, and he knows where's what's best at which one. All our meat comes from Costco, and we do the Costco meat, we do a meat shop because it's better than it. And it is, we've tried it from Marks and Wait. I can tell I've been a product taster for all these things for years, as well as getting from the butchers as well. But it's not even found that Costco is better than the butchers. Which is interesting, which is that... Shout out to Costco, everyone. I, I, would, I would give Costco props, not on everything, but on definitely on their meat. And this thing, we'll sit there as a family, and I can now discuss with you what's best from here, what's best from here, what's best... Because everywhere sources differently and has different priorities. And I think that it's very important that we... Supermarkets still have a place. And wine-wise, you know, Waitrose and Marks Spencer's wine-wise are far better than everyone else. And not a bit. They are like a humongous step up they, they work ch- really hard they champion English wine they champion Romanian wine they champion different varieties even the little ones have gone to in Voxel the little waitress in Voxel I found Romanian Pinot there it was That's decent by the way I haven't tasted that but I've been told by somebody really I trust really that good. for the price point they cannot f- this is a Can't wine buyer ah. and they have personally said so shout out to this Pinot Noir from uh, this Romanian Pinot Noir in Waitrose that they cannot find another Pinot Noir in the rest of the world at that price point that they think is as good for the price because it's quite cheap isn't it it's at seven quid I think seven eight well, quid yeah. well, 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 the challenging yeah. thing with the supermarkets and you know like wine being you know like a, a, a small produced product is that you can't make a lot of Romanian Pinot Noir if you're doing it in small batch to stock supermarkets but it's good that a supermarket is still looking for it and I think that waiters and Mark Spencer's because they diversify a little bit and change the shops up depending on the region, they do it help a little bit more than that. And the whole point is that being a big company can't always be a negative. Like um, Jackson Family Wines, they work with each producer they work with separately. And they take producers who are very good and go, we're going to give you some more money. We're mm-hmm. going to buy you, give you more money. We're going to keep your brand going on after you leave and keep a good winemaker in place. But we're going to run it like a separate brand. That keeps, that's giving small producers big money to achieve top. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jackson Family is very successful. We compare that to like Castello Diablo or um, Gallo, where it's Gallo label, our name, consistency, it's this. They're the opposites. Mm-hmm. So it's not always a bad thing to be big and have money and have buying power and have this. It can produce the right thing for both sides. If you're fair and go, when you need to make money, we need to make money. How can we make your life better? How can we invest better? That works. When you have someone like Tesco, who, you must be this price for our wine sale to our customers, you're screwed. Anyway, I'm going to stop ranting. Um, <laughs> yeah, by the way, you're not allowed rant. No, I've I think you've already overdone I can, it. I can save it, I can save it. For the people that are actually happy, rainbow unicorn people, they switched off. So they didn't, bring... they showed their unicorn then came back. Okay, come point. back now, uh, unicorn lovers. Uh, so you, Jonathan, have brought a wine, and this is we've gone back to the new world again. Yes, um, somewhere a little different as well. So in the US, when you'd find Washington State is more famous for its reasoning. But right next to Washington State, you have um, Oregon. Oregon and Washington are two really exciting regions, two regions I really love to look at and I love the wines of. Um, I think that generally there's a lot of excitement around what they're doing there. They actually are both pre-Prohibition, were actually bigger producers in California since Prohibition, now much smaller. California's about 90% production for the whole of the US. 
Um, I mean, um, I think, so we're now talking about Oregon. Oregon's about 500 wineries. Uh, Willamette Valley is the biggest region in Oregon. It shares some regions with Washington. Um, Columbia, Columbia Valley, Columbia George, um, and Walla Walla. Uh, and then, but with Willamette, it's their biggest main region only to themselves. And it's about 200 to 500 wineries are located in Willamette. Um, more famous for Pinot Noir at the moment, I'd say, and actually competitively, it's really challenging Burgundy, which is really exciting to see. Very different to the Californian, um, not as ripe, a little bit more terroir-driven, very, very driven by its uh, vintage, really affects it quite drastically. It is slightly maritime on the coast, um, but it is on, you know, it's on the East Coast, so it's a bit more relaxed, a bit more calm, a bit more, uh, a bit more chilled. Uh, That's what you need. Yeah, I know. East Coast, is it? No, West Coast, sorry. West, West Coast. Coast. West Coast is more chaps, more relaxed. Actually, in fact, we were talking about you never being on holiday for four, four years. Portland. Maybe. Listen, on maybe if you actually went on holiday, you'd chill out a little bit. You wouldn't be so, you wouldn't be so angry all the time. Just find another job. <laughs> just, just like literally a day on the beach would be enough for you, maybe. I haven't oh got the beach. Exactly. I oh, maybe. Like, what's the beach? What's the beach? I remember those from my childhood. Um, <laughs> so sad. Moving um, on, this wine, didn't so it? Anyway, so this is their Brooks uh, Riesling from Willamette. So Brooks are a small vineyard. Um, there's not many big vineyards at all in the region. Um, they mainly focus on Riesling, oh, tons of different kinds. This is a more classic, their Willamette Valley Riesling. This is a dry style. Um, I think you can really see a difference in colour. Actually, I'm going to oh do a, There'll yeah. be a post on social media for the difference in the colour between the three of these. Oh, great. Um, yeah, because the, 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 the two dry wines... The Brooks is really golden in comparison to the um, the triple pump, which is very pale which, and very which, lemony. But I mean, there's also some differences now. So this is when we talk about vintage. So it's going to be interesting to talk about this and the effect it has on reasoning. Um, the Cabernet and the Brooks, the Swilshire for the Brooks, are the same vintage. But 13 was good vintage in Germany as well, actually. A bit rounder, more richer. But it's still never going to get as ripe as you can get in Oregon. Mm. Um, also time, time really affects reasoning, it will always go more golden, more hewn with time. No matter what it is, or it'll go off. But you know, it's bad. But if it's good, it'll always get more goldenness. The Brooks has accelerated compared to the Cabernet. Also the sugar content. So the Brooks brother is sorry, Brooks brother, the Brooks is gonna be alcohol level is sorry, eleven ish, I think. It's gonna be Eleven percent. Yeah, it's eleven. It's eleven percent compared to the 7.5 yes 7.5 yeah. for the Will Schaefer so because of that you can sh- it shows a lot and it also the sugar content is much higher in the Schaefer which is going to save it stops it oxidising as quickly stops it changing and evolving as fast gives it more longevity yeah well so the acidity level is probably the same it tastes very I mean both of them I think we should try them now but so this talk- definitely is much more honeyed oh yeah you know of all of riper, them riper much riper you know we I get a real savoury element to it though. Yeah. Lee's cheese sort of character. Mmm, that's really rind. interesting. Rind. I'd say cheese rind. Cheese rind. Cheese rind. Yeah, yeah. cheese rind. And I think that it's just really interesting. It's just the, the difference between these three reasons is completely the same. Not one of them tastes the same. No. Not completely at all. Different. They all have apple. Actually, that's the only like distinct fact that makes them similar. Powerful diversity. Actually, it's quite nice. We should, yeah, let's, I mean, this, I, all I can say about the Riesling is Riesling is amazing, and for any person who wants to go it's on the exciting, journey, it's exciting, it's, yeah, well. you don't get the, sa- the the diversity, the interesting facts. Also, notice all of us randomly brought a wine 
and all of them have a small production in terms of the, the, the wineries have very few hectares to actually make the wine. It's reasoning, it seems to me, that people just pay attention to. Um, yeah. I think it's made in the vineyard, isn't it's it? The vineyard reason it's, it's made in the vineyard. I mean, like, the shows, and the reason it's so different is because they wanted them to be different. This is what they could make in a year. And mm. the 2013 the Cabinet, for the, the grapes have gone to the Cabernet compared to the Shepetnes and this they would have been the slightly under riper ones but they would have been slightly this level with a little bit of sugar left over mm. then you would have had the which I think is a little bit more thoughtful into it and what's best for reading because they're definitely picking earlier mm-hmm. but that's 11% which is the same as the Brooks that is much younger two years younger and then we get the oh, from a warmer country technically yes. I think it's the Brooks which is probably more sun exposure I'd imagine the Willamette Valley and where they're probably planting off the top of my head and probably higher up where the Eden Valley would be lower down. What's the, the what's the altitude in there? Willamette, I'd have to check, but it's normally quite high. There's quite a lot of hills. Mm. Some of the ones at the very top of the hills in Oregon in general were quite steep up and very yeah. burgundy like. We're about 450 to 500 metres altitude um, for these vineyards. It could be higher than actually. Years. I could be wrong. Um, but that's what you could check later. I don't know that's mm-hmm. on my head. I'm not, I'm not that good yet. I'm just not that good. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, anyway, I think probably we should. Uh, call it a wrap and start drinking these wines and getting slightly more inappropriate when we turn off the uh, we turn off we turn off off the microphone we turn on the camera yeah <laughs> yeah if, if people start asking for that you never know I'm seriously joking no one wants to see me naked it's not you need it no, yeah. yeah exactly speak for yourself I said me I said me yeah, exactly <laughs> speak for yourself I think people would definitely you, you two would do fine you two would do fine you have your own camera show me on the other hand and, and yeah and actually we're forgetting would, about Melissa here I would be, I'd be, looking divine I'd be the first stripper in history where people pay me to put clothes back on <laughs> that would be well you're probably not the first in history but I think that would be rather hilarious we should ask people we should see what they say what if I start stripping from they would be paying pay money to me you need money you're trying to save for a mortgage right yeah well that goes how much do I want a house anyway I'll sum it up Uh, Mel thank you so much for uh, sharing your amazing Australian wisdom and passion Um, and hopefully we have unconfused I think I've confused myself we successfully wanted to come in here and unconfused reasoning and what we've done is made it more complicated but it's, it's tasty it's and it's, it's delicious and it's a journey just by, it's been lovely just yeah. buy six different regions and six different places and six different styles and find which one you like and do some cooking yeah have some have play around some food always I always cook with wine and occasionally I put it in the food ah you but sound like um, a fridge magnet <laughs> that's because he has it on is it on your is it on your screen that's me leave my memes on oh dear um, thank you very much thank Mel, you so much you are beautiful you. I would thank certainly you. pay to see you naked and definitely not you Jonathan um, okay and we'll be yeah, back again right. tasting another wine next time which will probably be less complicated probably not and we've, uh, done, we've done Pasito we've done Portuguese and we've done Riesling why are we not doing anything normal well you know what guys that's because case. not normal is much more fun and much more interesting oh. so yes we'll see you next time uh, I promise that Jonathan will be just as angry okay <laughs> or more. <laughs> or more. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank bye you so bye. much. Bye.